Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Today's episode is brought to us by our good friends at Leadership Pathway, who help young leaders take their best and first steps into healthy ministry through launching residency and coaching for the first three years of ministry. If you have someone on your team who is in their first three years, or they're just starting with you, You don't wait to get them a coach to help them face the unique challenges of starting in in ministry. The reality is that those who make it through the third year uh, really will make it 10 or 20 years or longer, but so many quit. So many friends of mine quit in the beginning or got fired because they didn't understand or grasped the larger picture of what it was like to work in a local church. You're busy. You don't have the time. Well, let our good friends at Leadership Pathway help. $100 a month is nothing compared to the long-term costs of a young leader quitting or getting fired in the first three years. Leadership Pathway team has talked to thousands of leaders and worked with hundreds of churches in a variety of talk topics. They know the Gen Z. They know the millennial. Uh, they are working with this age group and are coaching leaders who are working with this age group all over the country. What I want you to do is to drop by leadershippathway.org forward slash unseminary. That's leadershippathway.org forward slash unseminary and check out how they can help your church. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have tuned in. I'm super excited for today. Uh, You know, oftentimes on the podcast, we're whatever, 500 episodes in, and I'm talking to someone that I've never actually met before, but today is not the case of that. Steve Grusendorf is a great leader who we've had a chance to interact a little bit uh, over the years. I'm super excited to uh, introduce you to a friend. Steve, welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Hey, thanks for having me. It's awesome to be with you and your audience. Great day. So Steve actually is a part of uh, denominational leadership, which I always think those people are going to have giant crowns in heaven because that, man, that's hard. That's tough leadership Uh, at the Christian Missionary Alliance, which actually we were talking about earlier. The very first church I worked for was CNMA and my brother was worked for CNMA for decades. And so uh, love the Alliance. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about your role with the Alliance? Give us a a sense of of what you do with, with that great organization. Oh, thanks for that plug. Yeah, I'd love to tell you a little bit about it and uh, tell you. Let me tell you first, yeah, I started in the Christian Missionary Alliance just as a local church pastor uh, for about 15 years. I've pastored in a couple of different churches in that time, served as a lead pastor and an associate pastor in that. So kind of a wide variety of, of roles. But in all of those roles, uh, one of the things that was key to that was I've, I've served in leadership development in some some way. You know, uh, pastors listen on the call, you guys know that you, you're always in, in in leadership development in some kind of sense, but in a very real sense, it was discipleship with leadership development. And and so about two years ago, it was in conversation with our, our na- national office leadership, and they were looking for someone to come in and, and kind of spearhead leadership development uh, for pastoral ministry, for ministry leadership in our denomination. Um, historically, our denomination has had um, schools, you know, we've got several schools around the U.S. and in Canada, um, but we also have um, an alternative education plan. So, you know, men and women who can't maybe make it to school or maybe their second career calling, um, we've always had a pathway for them to get trained. And so two years I came in and I serve now as the director for ministry studies. Uh, we have mm-hmm. a center called the Alliance Center for Leadership Development, and we run 
training programs. We have a, a two-year educational program that trains men and women who feel called to ministry. So we, we're giving them online training and, and preaching and teaching hermeneutics, leadership, all that fun stuff that helps them be prepared to step into uh, ministry leadership within our denomination. And then I also kind of help shepherd men and women through our ordination process. So yeah, a lot of different hats to get to wear, but the, the key to it, which I love is the ability to connect to all of our various churches. And, you know, we have such a broad spectrum of churches. We've got small community churches in and rural towns. We've got large metropolitan churches. And to just spend time with our churches and church leaders, casting vision about what it looks like to develop leaders. So it's a lot of fun. Love it. And uh, so we're going to try to take advantage of you today because you have a real exposure to church leaders across the country in a lot of different contexts. The, yeah. the Christian Missionary Alliance is a broad you know, denomination with lots of different types of churches and sizes. Mm-hmm. And so you have exposure to, to a lot of different leaders. What would you say as you engage with leaders? There's a lot of different things that I'm sure are kind of common themes or things that, that come up all the time. What would be some of those things that would have you concerned or things that you would be kind of thinking about these days as you as you interact with churches and church leaders across the country. Yeah, you know, I think something that has been, and this isn't just within the Christian and Missionary Alliance, but certainly across the board in church leadership, has just been the challenge that ministry leaders face when it comes to kind of leading a congregation through crisis. Um, you know, particularly as I think about that crisis, it could be you know someone in that congregation. Um, has fallen. Uh, maybe there's a sexual sin. Maybe there's a there's a leadership failure. Maybe there's just a sudden transition, right? Where there's no actual horrible sin that's happened, but there was a really fast, maybe hard transition. You know, I can I can think of a time when uh, a pastor uh, preached one Sunday and then the very next day pa- passed away of a heart attack, throwing that congregation wow. into crisis. Like, how do you process that? And so, one of the things that I've really seen is that while we focus on leadership and while we're prepared to lead our congregation, sometimes when a church or someone within the church is wounded, uh, without some careful consideration, we're not always the best prepared to love that person well. And so that's Mm. something I think has been a challenge. And one of the things that we've been trying to work very hard uh, in our denomination to help our ministry leaders be prepared to help the spiritually wounded. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think it, you know, if you're listening in, you know, right away to mind, either within your own church or other churches, you've seen, you could think of that scenario where that, you know, that, that has happened and there's like, man, there's some, there's some trauma. Like you say, somebody's wounded and, and, um, are, are we, we wish we could undo what we first said, or we wish we could walk back those initial steps, or we've heard of people who were just, were not really cared for well in that scenario. I, it makes total sense. So what would you say to a church leader that would say, Hey, I'm uh, yeah. Okay. you got my attention. I'm interested. Um, how, how, what are some things I should be thinking about with some practical steps? I should be thinking about caring for, um, you know, people in my church who are in that kind of scenario. Yeah, and that's a great question. I think it, it sounds funny, but I would start with this. Don't let that uh, awareness fade because here's here's it sounds mm-hmm. counterintuitive that the church isn't prepared to care for people in crisis because that's like why the church exists. Sure. But here's here's the thing. So many times, um, at least this was my experience in ministry as a ministry leader, we look outside the church and we go, we're prepared when people who are wounded come to us to heal. Uh, we're prepared for them. We're on the lookout for them. We train our leaders to look for those people. But we sometimes miss the people that have been wounded in our church or by our church. Mm, mm, and um, oh, you know, I'll never cool. forget, I got a phone call uh, years ago in ministry from someone that I'd known. He was a casual attender of our church. And he asked me to get coffee. 
And so I said, sure, I'd love to get coffee. So we, we meet up at a Barnes and Noble at a coffee shop and he sits down and he tells me that he's not coming back to our church. And I was really surprised by that. And I asked him why we kind of dug into it. And he had just been burned by a leader in the church. And, and he began to talk to me and he opened my eyes to something that I had assumed. I'd assumed that if you come to a church, you, you are relatively participative, right? So you're participating in things on the fringe, then you must kind of be good. You might, you must like the church. You must have some kind of relationship with Jesus. Mm. But this guy who and I interacted with, you know, a dozen times at our church, he'd been involved. His wife was involved. Just come to find out he was a seeker. He, he didn't actually have a relationship with Jesus. And mm. what he found in the church was he didn't like the view of Christians. And so he said, you know what? I'm done. Um, and, and that's one of the things that started this journey for me. Say, so, you know, I've got to do better at looking past just the facade of folks and recognizing in my church, there are going to be people that are wounded. Um, they're in my church. There are going to be people that I sometimes may even offend. And certainly in our churches, there are going to be people that get hurt by accident or by design by folks in the church. And so, yeah, I would start with that to say, uh, ministry oh, leader, so good. Uh, focus, don't miss the wounded that might be in your church, because here's the crazy thing. Uh, when we get hurt outside the church, at least in our culture today, I think this still rings true. Most people can look to the church as a place of healing. But when you're wounded by the church or in the church, where do you go? Right. So many people, when they're hurt in or by the church, walk away from God, walk away from the church, and we never find them again. And, and I don't, I'm not okay with that. So um, right. I, let me suggest a couple of things, if, if that would, would help. To just yeah, kind of that's, well, first of all... Yeah, just to underline that, I I think we can um, maybe have our, we like to shield ourselves from the fact that like, hey, maybe there's something negative has happened in our church and mm -hmm. that maybe, you know, but at the end of the day, uh, our church, hopefully our church is filled with broken people, right? People who, yeah. uh, we're all broken people who are trying to find our way back to Jesus and, um, you know, we're at various places along that that journey. And so it's not surprising that, mm -hmm. um, that hey, maybe, you know, maybe something's happened where, like you say, somebody has got uh, burned or, or wounded in, in the midst of it. So yeah, you said you were gonna, you've got some practical thoughts. Why don't we dive into that? What would be yeah. uh, maybe a thing or two that we could be thinking about as a church leader to be, you know, to help in this scenario? Yeah, I think the first thing we have to do um, is avoid the perfection trap. And you know, nothing I'm saying is like rocket science, but sure. <laughs> but here's the thing that I found over the years. We all know that there's a perfection trap in church and we all know that we're not perfect, but we don't talk about the fact that we're not perfect. <laughs> so right. we've got to still avoid that. Um, I think one way we do this, and, and this may be minor, mm -hmm. but I know a lot of pastors listening, um, we gotta we got to live out our theology well. So there's this thing called the living church, and there's this thing called the local church, and we've got to help our teams, our staff understand the difference, right? Living church, mm. all believers, right? So right. Yes. Uh, there is a high bar for entrance into the living church. You can't be there if you're not a genuine follower of Jesus. But then there's the local church, and, and the local church is a wide open place. It's, you know, people call it the hospital, right? It's the place where people come mm -hmm. who are wounded for healing. But that mm -hmm. means that the church is going to be filled with genuine believers. It's going to be filled with skeptics. Skeptics. It's going to be filled with seekers. And it may mm -hmm. even be filled with people who have less than positive motives for being there. And we just don't know. So right. we have to help our folks understand we're the local church and we're the living church. But in the local church, we're not going to be perfect. And we never will be. Uh, so right. that's that's one, I think. And yeah, go ahead. I, th I think that's really healthy because, um, in fact, just recently I was talking to a church leader around, it feels like a generation or, or maybe two generations before 
there was the, the way that you led or, or, or what was modeled for us was this kind of like, um, we're super perfect leaders. We've got mm-hmm. it all together. We know everything we are. We're the, um, and this isn't a slight on him particularly, but we're like the Bible answer man. We're, you know, we've, we've got it all figured out. Yeah. And um, that was like a really bad idea because what ended up happening was I think it did create, like you say, this, I think we gave off this perception that like, oh, everything's perfect. Everything is great. Where that was never the case. There, you know, the leaders who led were not superhuman. They were not perfect people. Uh, but I, I, I love this that you're pushing us to think. Hey, let's let's really try to avoid the perfection trap. Not get caught up in this idea that like, hey, we're uh, that that our church is the living church. We're just a local church. I like that. I think that's great. Yeah. And anything else around that? Yeah, you know, I would say um, instead of and to to your point, you know, church used to be the place you went to learn how to be good. Right? We didn't say it sure. that way. But that's where I, I normalize right. these types of things. And no, no, we got to kill that. We need to be the place where people learn how to be redeemed. Um, mm, and, and so great. here's a simple example. One of the things, again, mm. God, you know, I didn't learn this because I'm so wise. I learned this because God had to slap me with a two by four many, many times in ministry. <laughs> sure. If I only talk about my life, so I'm a ministry leader. I spent plenty of time on the stage. But if I only talk about my life after I came to Christ, then I'm never connecting with people who don't have a relationship with Christ. So here's a simple oh, way to, to avoid the perfection. So good. Trap. Tell your story before Jesus. Like, hey, I was this messed up little kid who was completely afraid of dying. Now I got saved at a young age. So, and I don't have a, you know, Jesus saved me from, you know, the end of this horrible path that I just walked down. But, you know, there was a place in my life where I was deathly afraid of dying as a little kid. I didn't have a relationship. Jesus was more of a family thing than a real thing. And so, if I never talk about that, then I'm going to have nothing in common with someone who doesn't believe in Jesus yet. I mean, we might like Mm, the same sports. So good. So yeah, so that's a good example of one of the ways that we can help kind of get there about, you know, avoiding that perfection trap. Simply, another thing we can do, uh, Mm -hmm. we can de-escalate the view of our visitors and outsiders. uh, Because again, when I'm new to church, and and I've never been there before, I just know church is a place for God people. And so God people are perfect people, right? I mean, they're the right kind of nice people. And, you know, church leader, you got to step up on the stage and say, hey, we're so glad you're here. But if you're looking for a place filled with perfection, you got the wrong place. We're just a place uh, where people are learning how to live redeemed and we're going to mess up. But we found someone who has grace that outlasts our mistakes. And and just be comfortable saying that. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> a, really it's amazing how uh, one, one of my long-term friends, and, and he's become, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad he's just a huge platform now, a friend of mine, Kerry Newhoff. And he is a great communicator. And one of the things that he has done regularly is to do this kind of um, like normalizing for people who are not normally in church. Hey, we're all in the same boat together. Yeah. Um, you know, we're we're not. We're, there's not this great, um, which is theologically true. Like that. That's actually true. But but I think we like to draw really strong lines there. But the reality of it is that you know we're all children. You know, we're all people trying to seek after God. Love that. That's uh, that's fantastic. What else yeah. would you have for us? Well, I would say there's another thing that we have to do in ministry leadership, and is that, and that's we have to normalize what I call a three-word vocabulary, serve, uh, forgive, and pursue. Uh, and again, not rocket science, stuff we know, but stuff that we know, but we still don't always say from the platforms that God gives us, right? So mm-hmm. um, here's, here's a huge one. I mean, if I could say one thing in my heart that is so heavy, mm-hmm. is that in the church, service has to trump power all the time. And it has to start with mm. us as leaders. 
I mean, it has mm. to start with us as leaders. Pull that apart for us. Drill oh, down on that a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, for instance, where leader are you involved in your church where you're not leading? Mm. So there, were, there was a season in my life, I was an associate pastor in a church uh, for about eight years. And one of the tasks that I had was uh, small group leadership. So I oversaw our small groups. We had about 150 small groups in, in, in that church. And, you know, for those eight years, I did not lead a single small group. Now, I led our small group ministry uh, and I would pop into our small groups, but I had one small group that I was a part of, our family was a part of, and I wasn't even a leader of that group because here's the reality. When I lead, I put my leader hat on and I do my leader thing, and that's appropriate. But in that group, I wasn't leader. Now, you said it a moment ago, I was the Bible answer guy. Yeah, I knew more about the Bible than most everybody else in our small group, and I was cool, and we had to live through that. But there were times that I had to talk about the hard times I had at work. There were times I had to talk about the things that I was struggling with. There was the times that mm. my wife and I just needed to be uh, people without titles. And, and so, leader, if you can't answer that question, power is trumping service. And it, it doesn't happen to us on purpose. Some people seek it out. And others of us, we just feel trapped. But you've got to find a place where you're participating in your church and you're not leading. Um, yeah. So that's a huge one. Yeah, that's a huge one. Another, another. It's kind of a related idea that um, years ago I I had a friend ask me. They said, "Hey, would you would you go to this church if you weren't paid to be here?" Mm. Oh. And that's a convicting question. And I know that there's a lot of leaders that are listening in today that would answer that in the negative and would say, "No, I, I'm not sure I would." And and the the point my leader this this friend of mine was trying to make to me was like. Hey, like you've got to maybe make some changes to be the kind of church you want to be, but then yeah. also to love your church. Now I can say actually for the vast majority of my ministry career, I have had the privilege of, of leading in churches that if I was living in the neighborhood, I would, you know, if I was in that area, I'd be going there, but we've got to, um, I love that push to say, Hey, um, how are we being changed and impacted being like you say, um, actually, you know, not, not just because it's like a part of your job. It's not a part of what you're called to do. I, I, uh, I love that. Yeah. Now, you've actually written a book that I want to dive into a little bit here. It's called Aftermath, mm -hmm. a book for the spiritually wounded. The, the, uh, friends, I want, you to, I want you to check this book out. You'll know that I don't have a lot of authors on. When I have authors on, I, I, it's because I really want you to check out this book. Even if you're not going to buy this book, I want you to I want you to look at the cover of this book. It is the most depressing cover. It is like stark, <laughs> man. It got, grabbed my when I first saw this, I was like, "Wow, Steve is swinging for the fences here." It's amazing. I'm not going to yeah. give it away what it is, but but this is a this is a a tough subject book. Mm. Um, what led you to the place where you say, okay, this is, I want to spend time diving into this. It's obviously related to what we're talking about today. Yeah. But what, uh, what led you to that, to that spot? Well, it's funny, you know, uh, it, what led me to the spot is that I've served a number of congregations that have gone through crisis. And, uh, you know, I didn't start ministry going, hey, you know, I'd love to serve in churches that have gone through crisis. Uh, but, I like to be the crisis guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, but God brought me to these scenarios. And, and to be honest with you, sometimes my heart was just in the middle of the battle. And sometimes, you know, I was on the outside coming in after that crisis. But mm. what I began to see was that there's, there's a pattern um, that, mm. that people that are in the church, who've been burned by the church or in the church, they go through. And, and so I also began to see within Scripture, God really speaking to the heart of the spiritually wounded. And so I, I just wasn't okay with the fact that people who get burned in or by the church walk away or, or get stuck in their, uh, in their pain and their woundedness 
and have nowhere to go. So they kind of live the rest of their life in the ashes uh, of, the, mm. of the aftermath. And so wrote the book for two groups of people. One, for people who are spiritually wounded. You know, maybe you have a friend and, and they're just hurting. And, and, and I, I wrote it for that guy. I told you a story about mm. um, years ago that like, I wish I could have just given that to him and say, hey, let's talk. Um, I also wrote it for churches who are saying, you know, we want to get better at spotting and loving the spiritually wounded right within the shadow of the church. Um, you know, unfortunately, we can look back over the past three, four years and say, man, how many names do we know of prominent spiritual leaders in our culture that have fallen? And every time one of them falls, there's a countless numbers of people who are wounded by that and, and just don't have anywhere to go. So I want to help churches. So there's, you know, it's great about it. You know, it, we've got it. We talk through it, but there's also a section in the back that's both personal reflective so that the person's mm-hmm. wounded, but there's also this kind of small group discussion so we can kind of begin to unpack and become churches that really serve people in the aftermath. So uh, let's talk about identifying people within our church. You had mentioned that there. How do I, as a church leader, you know, I'm listening in, I don't know, we're a church of six, 700 people mm-hmm. and I'm on staff and, and I have a hunch like, oh, there's probably people here that, that are, are either on the fringe of our ministry or kind of on their way out. H- how would I go about trying to identify some of those people? Um, you know, what, what, you know, what could I, what could I do? Mm. Oh, that's a great question. Um, it's hard sometimes because often what happens is when people are wounded, um, they get, they go silent. So I, I think one of the things, if I could use the phrase, look for, for ghosting, um, you know, mm. the person that walks away. Now we have to be careful mm. because anybody that's worked in church long enough knows that there are some people that walk away or they ghost us because they're, they're angry that we took their thing away in the, in the sandbox that they were playing with. That's not the type of people we're looking for. You know, we're looking for people that are spiritually wounded, um, not just personally offended. Um, maybe that's another book, <laughs> but uh, look for ghosting and don't be afraid yes. to lean in. Now, someone can always refuse you. I'm not interested mm-hmm. in talking to you. I don't want to do that. But they can't refuse the request that we don't offer. So mm-hmm. look for the people that go that go silent, especially uh, ministry leaders. If you're listening in, especially if you have a, an engaged leader that sometimes mm-hmm. pulls out really quickly. Uh, or is not mm-hmm. in, not reengaging. That might be a sign. Hey, maybe there's something going on in their life. So that's one. Mm. Make yourself incredibly available in a variety of ways in the midst of an aftermath. Um, and, and so when I say aftermath, I mean that's a broad thing. But let, let's kind of let me give you like three or four examples of what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, pastoral transitions. Uh, so one of the things that that happened very quickly. A pastor. We pastors. You know this. This is this is tough. You're praying and thinking and asking God for like six months, and finally you feel God is giving you a new vision for the future. Your church usually gets about a week, two weeks to process <laughs> so that. So true. Because you come oh, in and you go, so I'm true. out, guys. And, and you know what? That's hard, but that's part of reality. So now you have a, a number of people that have been emotionally and spiritually invested in your leadership, and they're out going, oh, what do I do now? And so sometimes they can get wounded, and it's, it's not the bad, it, there's no bad leadership there, but it just happens. So that's one. Obviously, when there's a there's a significant sin that gets uh, drawn out of the church, maybe there's an elder, there's a leader, there's a double life, you know, something like that. Um, let's let's just get real. Um, uh, we're all grieving the Robbie Zacharias experience. We're grieving yeah. that, yep. and there are men and women in your church that are grieving that. I, I was in my own personal small group the other day, and we just it came up offhandedly, and people were grieving, and so we just paused and started talking a little bit about that. So. Look for those places and, and just be willing in those seasons to take on yourself, right? Bear one another's burdens and thereby mm. fulfill the law of Christ. You know what? Mm. I'm not Ravi, but man, I am so 
sorry that yes. that happened. Yes. And, and yes. I need yes. you to know that you're loved, that, mm-hmm. that I hear you, and that if you need to talk or process that, I'm here for you. Rather than, well, that yeah. wasn't me. All right. Well, yeah, it wasn't me, but we're, we're the family of Christ. So, yes. uh, you know, that's a couple examples. Yeah, it's great. Okay, so this is changing gears uh, yeah, in a sure. kind of a completely, completely different direction. Well, it's related, but completely different direction. Um, and this is not, I wasn't thinking about this coming out of that. It's obviously transitioning out of the conversation about Ravi. What I'm saying next is not connected to that. Sure. But what do we do about the wolves that are in our midst? You know, there are churches, if you've been in leadership long enough, you realize, and you mentioned this, you kind of uh, you know, you kind of hinted to this earlier. One of the unseemly things in church leadership is we realize, oh, there's some of these people that are engaged with us that do not have noble intentions. Uh, talk to us about that. How do we kind of prepare for that? What do we need to be thinking about? What is, yeah, give us some kind of practical thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, you know, I love the title of your podcast, right? And and your yeah. tagline, what do you wish they would have taught you in seminary? Here, here's one. Yeah. Any professor, president, anybody listening, you need to talk more about the wolves. Mm. I got taught, and hmm. I'm a you know Bible college grad. Um, I got you're a doctor. All, you've you've got a lot of you know education. I, yes, <laughs> probably too much. Um, but you know, I got taught all about the sheep. But man, when you look at the New Testament, Jesus talks about the wolves, and you know what? Right. Yeah, sheep bite, but wolves tear. Wolves kill. And yes. you know what? In in the church, as a leader, here's attention. I have to care for the sheep. I have to make sure there's grace, but man, I cannot let go of vigilance because Jesus tells me, Steve, you're a leader in my church and you have two roles, care for my sheep and fight off the wolves. And and I will tell you in ministry, in my years and years of ministry, the hardest thing has been fighting the wolves, especially when that wolf three months ago seemed like a sheep because Jesus talks about that. He, he talks about, hey, there are going to be people that come from the inside. Man, I'll tell you what, that's hard. So. Um, Anyway, I got, got me on a soapbox here. I apologize. Let me give you some practice. No, no, stuff. no. It's good. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. No, because I do think this is, to your point, this is one of those areas where um, it's hard, it can be hard to identify. So like, how do we, how do we even kind of, what would be some of the telltale signs? Is there anything we can do on our side? Yeah. That, is there anything we can do on our side to kind of prepare our churches to really be more uh, wolf resilient yeah. <laughs> in places? Yeah. In, you know, and the honest answer is we're never going to be able to spot them all, but, but here's three things as a ministry leader that I, I would call red flags, okay? First of all, I, I meet someone who desires leadership without participation in discipleship. Um, you mm. know that person? Nope. Uh, I've had those people come and I say, look, if you don't have time to be in our process of discipleship, you don't have time to be a leader because discipleship is more important. Um, second, I would say someone who desires leadership without demonstrating good followership. To me, if you want to define leadership, it's first the ability to follow well, right? Uh, because all of us are going to be under authority. Uh, and we all know people, come on, let's, we all know people in our church that are like this. Like, they're like, no, I want to lead everything, but man, they're the worst followers. We would never want them on our team, but they want to lead everything. Mm. <laughs> uh, third, I would say uh, someone who desires leadership, but expects to skip steps. Um, and, and let me, mm. let me just speak to uh, some of us who are listening before. So one interesting thing I went through when I transitioned into this role, um, my entire adult life, I've been in pastoral ministry. So I served as a leader in church. And in this role, I serve in our denominational headquarters, but guess what? The local church, I'm not, you know, I'm just a participant. So I found for myself in the first time in, you know, 15 years, I'm an attendee. Okay. So how does this work for me? And so this was one. So I'm coming in and I'm like, what would you like me to do? 
well, could you teach this Sunday school class? <laughs> you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, I can teach a Sunday school class. Um, yeah. You know, so I've got that pride thing going on. I can do this. But then all of a sudden, I got sent this thing I had to watch to prepare to work because it was actually a middle school group to prepare to work with t- teens. And it was, you know, all the safe place things. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, I can probably skip this. But I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say to my folks, no, I'm okay. I'm better than this. So I would say that's a flag to just say, you know what? Thank you. For, and this comes from people who maybe transfer into our churches and, from another church. I say, thank you so much for your leadership. You would bless and honor our church if you go through the process. And, and many times, if they're a good leader, they're going to go, absolutely. But if they're like, right. nope, I'm not interested. Again, we go, okay, well, thank you so much. But for now, I think we're good with leaders. We just have to be willing to wait. So I think right. those are three no, things. Oh, that's very good. That's super practical. Love that. And and yeah, and we can think of people in our churches who have had that kind of um, – yeah, I want to jump to the front of the line. I want to be, and and you know, you, if you've been in leadership any in any period of time, there are those people that kind of come around us who are yep. uh, they're intrigued by us because of our role. They're like they want to become your best friend, and and like ah, you know, sometimes you just need a little a uh, little yellow light saying, hmm, we need to just slow down here before we let this person necessarily into our, our inner orbit. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. I, I, we kind of skipped over the book thing. Um, let's go back to that for a second. So uh, it's a great, fantastic book. I would strongly encourage people to pick this up. I think it's one of those books that it's frankly talking about something it's, that we don't really want to think about. It's like this... Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's not the, like how to be a, you know, fully empowered leader. It's like, oh no, we're dealing with really tough scenarios, but, uh, I think it's incredibly important. I think this could be a great resource for your leadership team to do together. I think it could be a great kind of like, Hey, let's read this for a while. I noticed the, and saw the kind of group discussion, not only the personal reflection, but then also the group discussion piece, which I think is incredible. Um, if people want to pick up a copy or copies of this book, where do we want to send them to pick those up? Yeah, two different places you can go. There's this little place called Amazon. Um, you may have never I heard think of it. I've before. heard of that. Yeah, yeah uh, they, it's a small bookseller sell and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And you can search <laughs> yes. that. Uh, best way to get there is just use my last name, Grusendorf, and uh, aftermath. Uh, but you can find it. There's not too many books of that. Ter- Grusendorf is great for the social for uh, the search engine optimization. There's yeah. not a ton of Grusendorfs out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thankful to mom and dad for that one. Uh, the other place you can go is through the website for the book, which is intheaftermath.com. Uh, in the aftermath.com. And, and there's some information about the book and it'll link you to where you can purchase it as well. That's perfect. I would encourage people to uh, pick that up. Uh, Steve, this has been great. So good uh, reconnecting and chatting for a little bit. Anything else you'd love to say uh, and kind of share with us as we close out today's episode? Uh, you know, I'll just end it with this. You know, there are hurting people in our churches, but don't forget the grace of Jesus is deeper than any wound. And that's, I mean, if I could leave a message with any book, you know, the, the back of that book is, or the front of that book is stark, right? Black and white but it, it bleeds red. I mean, Jesus loves us and he can pull us out of any wound. So my, my heart for you, maybe even you're listening, uh, you know, cause here's reality too. We've got a lot of walking wounded leaders out there. Um, I love you. Uh, God loves you. He can pull you through and, and the wound that you carry doesn't have to stay fresh and be a scar that Jesus uses to show that he's fully healed you. So uh, don't forget Jesus has scars too. And one of my favorite stories of the Bible is when he had a hurting leader who didn't quite trust him. He didn't smack him over the head. He said, look, if you need to see my scars, I'll show them to you. So that's the mm. Lord that we oh, serve. So I hope that encourages you today. Thanks so much for letting me join you. It's been a, been a privilege. Well, thanks so much. I would, uh, if people want to get in touch with you, we send them to the website in the aftermath.com. Is there anywhere else like social media or any of that stuff we want to make sure they connect with you on? 
Yeah, and they can. I'm, I'm on Facebook. I'm on uh, all the social media stuff, just at Steve Brusendorf. Uh, you can jump onto the website and find all those links there as well, and you can connect with me through uh, the website, and I'd love to, love to connect with you. Great. Thanks so much, Steve. Appreciate you being here today. Hey, thanks a lot. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary. <laughs>